Hey, y'all. Okay. Oh. Yo, Donovan, I, that's why I love you, on, on the real. You always gotta keep somebody like you around whenever morale is low. Guys, my name is Jameer Pond, and I welcome you to the first inaugural, if that, that's, I said it right, right, Donovan? The inaugural episode of Dropping Gems Live. Give it up for that. First, one of one. Yes, okay, so I got a lot of things to get through before we actually have the live podcast that you guys have came and waited online, and I know it was chilly, and you could have been anywhere, but you guys are at Kimfolk. Shout out to Kimfolk, by the way, for providing the space. Give it up for Kimfolk. Hey. Okay, so uh, if you guys were fortunate enough to be here early, right? Right before we gave away these little bags, you got a shout out to Kiehl's because Kills made this possible. Thank you for sponsoring Kills. Kills, I love you, Kills. I'd fight my mother for Kills at this point in time. Thank you, Kills. Um, Driven Society, who helped make this whole thing possible and partner with me and will partner with me in future live events, so give it up for Driven Society. Um, so I wanted to do this just because uh, I don't know how many, I know a lot of creatives in, uh, here, but I don't know how many creatives in here, but um, I got tired of being told no. I got tired of, of people prejudging uh, who I was as a personality, as a human. Uh, got a lot of, lot of failure, a lot of doors shut in my face. Um, and I, I thought it was you know, time for a change. And often as creatives, we get frustrated, the inevitable. We get frustrated. Shit gets crazy. So many people are like, yo, you should just leave. You know, you should just quit. You stop being complacent. And I had to really evaluate. And I said, what am I doing? What's my purpose? Um, why do I want to do this? What's this whole thing look like? And um, this is how this whole thing manifested. Dropping Gym started from something that I would do in, the, in a back studio at my job in between work when I wasn't doing anything. And I said, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to take this so more people can be interactive. I wanted to make this so people can reach out to people who they, who they look up to and, and see and want inspiration from. So dropping gems is no longer just this, but it's, uh, it's manifesting into something bigger. So I thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for being here, each and every one of y'all. Thank y'all, seriously. <laughs> well, now that we got that shit out the way, I, uh, I really appreciate it, for real. Mm. Oh, before anything, uh, I wanted to do this particular episode uh, during Women's History Month, but of course the blizzard um, happened and I couldn't, I couldn't make that happen. But 4-4 uh, is a very important day. And um, because not only is it Dr., the, the late, great Dr. Maya Angelou's birthday, um, definitely rest in peace, but it was, it's the 50th anniversary today of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. And um, while that is a somber moment, to see a collection, a sea of black and brown faces uh, coming together, and we're talking about serious things that affect us and uh, the, our dreams and our goals. I mean, I think, you know, God knew what he was doing, you know, when he moved it. So um, if we could just give a moment of silence for Dr. Martin Luther King and Maya Angelou. All right. Now, if we really get this shit on the way, <laughs> promise, that was the last somber moment I have. Uh, make sure you hashtag dropping gems. 
keep that conversation going. Understand that the recap of this is being shot and it will be streamed and everything. It's on Driven Society. And um, it will be a podcast. So we're doing these monthly to, you know, create conversations and content. So if I can introduce my esteemed guest, y'all heard enough of me talking. Um, I want to introduce three dynamic women who, in my eyes, are changing the scope of how we look at this whole entertainment and digital space. Um, I'll first introduce uh, one woman who gave me a shot. I had a phone conference with her, and I wanted to be on her show because I thought her show was amazing, and it created uh, a black and brown conversations that we don't hear uh, from black and brown people who are intelligent and break stereotypes. Um, so I want to introduce content creator and the creator and producer of The Grapevine, Miss Ashley Acuna. Yes, Ash. And she got a power blue suit on. Power! Yes! You better go on to Fashionista and get this, Fashionista. That's right. Ashley. Hello. Hey. Hey. Hi, everybody. Hey. Ashley. <laughs> See? There you go. You ready? Yeah. Power blue. I love it. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Okay. So, so the... My next guest um, is a personal friend of mine. Um, just seeing her glow up and uh, being in the presence of her uh, amazing stride and seeing the struggle, seeing the triumphs and the tribulations, um, I can't say I'm, I'm any less shocked about where she is now and so proud of where she's going. Uh, you, you see her everywhere. Um, and you might actually hear her on Black Girl Podcast, and I know we got some members of Black Girl Podcast in the building, so I want y'all to give it up right now for Miss Scotty Beam. <laughs> Limp over here, girl, limpy. Limpy, limpy, limpy. Limpy, limpy, limpy. Come on, Limpisha. I know, come here, come here. I'm going to help you, limp. What? Okay, give me the good leg first. Thank you. I said the good leg. That wasn't the good leg. Yeah, she made it. Hi, everybody. Oh, hi. Let us scream. Use some good vocals. Hello. All right. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. All right. So our last guest um, uh, of the podcast is somebody I really admire as an entertainment journalist. Um, she's not only just that, but she, you know, has wrote for Forbes and been featured on Complex and Revolt. And uh, she takes very A1 vacation pictures on Instagram if you follow her. <laughs> um, I want y'all to give it up for Miss Sydney Michelle. <laughs> sashay, 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 sashay. Go ahead, go get it, girl, go get it. Bow, there you go, there you go. Oh, I think you, you will. Oh, okay, you just posing. All right, do your thing, do your thing. Hey, All right. guys. Hey, let me uh, let me sit up on here. Okay, all right. So um, again, thank you, ladies, for being here. Um, you guys are three women who I admire, and of course, Driven Society admires. And um, we personally picked you guys out. You guys are the first of three. I'm telling you, nobody else was mentioned. So three of three. You guys are first options um, because we wanted to talk to you guys about digital space and digital branding, but also get to, get to some of the root of who you guys are because often we don't humanize the people that we see on, on TV or our digital spaces. So I want to talk with you guys a little bit. First question, kind of a deep one. 
Um, take time to think if you have. Um, I want to know, at this point in you guys' lives, what do you feel like your individual purposes are? That's right, that's a curveball, right there, right there. Learned that from Barbara Walton's Alicia. Get him right off track. First question. Um, I'll start. You'll start, okay. I definitely feel like, I mean, since I was a child, I've been in love with like storytelling. I was always the one like super excited to read books and to like talk about the movie after it was over and write my own story. So I definitely feel like my path is gonna lead into filmmaking and writing and directing. Um, but my ultimate purpose, I do think, is to go back to, um, to Nigeria, where I'm from, and to build schools and to um, really help my family just come out of poverty. <laughs> you know, so I definitely want to run for some type of office when wow. I get to Nigeria, just because corruption is really, really big. Um, so that's like my ultimate goal, like when I'm in my 50s, 60s. Yeah. Still looking good, I'm sure. <laughs> Power blues. Gotta keep it tight. <laughs> gotta, get, <laughs> gotta keep it tight. Um, I would have to say right now, uh, I feel like my purpose is to help guide myself and guide other black women to learn what self-care is and uh, build a safe place. What Eventually, hopefully when I'm like 40 or whatever it is, I have like a set residential area for just black women where they can learn how to take care of themselves, but mentally inside as far as therapy is concerned. Now that I, you know, I'm going to, the, to therapy probably every other week and I'm learning more about how, you know, <clears throat> we neglect ourselves to the fullest. So I wanna make sure these, you know, these young girls and girls my age too will learn how to deal with trauma. It's hard. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to be able to do that. I think that's my purpose now. And I think also my purpose is to show these brands that women of darker complexions and uh, who aren't, you know, model sizes can do things with brands, period. You know, I'm getting a lot of stares and stuff for doing stuff with Nike and doing stuff with certain brands who don't accept women my size, but I'm a 12. So it's, hello for the 12. Yes, so. Hey 12s. Hey 12s, where you at? <laughs> okay, so um, I just, I, I think I just want to be that person that can lead and help myself, cause I ain't together all the way, but help other women do the same, yeah. Say so what about you? Um, I think my end, my end goal was to be just to really create um, opportunities for you know women of color, that kind of was like my thing since I started you know journalism and writing. Like when I was in high school, I went to a Catholic high school and we were 25% black, and we didn't really have an outlet for us to you know for our creatives, for music, you know, photography, um, fashion, whatever one is. So I created that the first like magazine in my high school and white Catholic high school, y'all. Like that was a big wow. thing. So. Um, and then again, you know, when I had the opportunity to do that at Forbes, you know, just being the first black woman there and be able to hire interns, like just kind of like diversify, you know, the faces that I see wherever I'm, I'm at. That's kind of what I want to do. And my end goal would probably be to um, really launch my own media company and really create dope opportunities for everyone who needs them. So. Right. 
So I think one key uh, item that I took away from that is that you guys really have a have a strong need to create and create opportunities and help people of color, women specifically in uh, Scotty's case, which I think is is great because first of all, most of this audience are black and brown women. Um, and this seems to be a renaissance. I'm starting to see more black and brown women doing their thing. But I, I want to ask you guys, because you guys are black and brown women, uh, do you feel like you guys have arrived? And I'm talking specifically uh, when we talk about media, entertainment, and uh, the digital space. Are black women arriving? Are we at the door? Are y'all at the door? We always been at the door. There you go. So I, I've, that's, I'm, <laughs> that's a fact. We've always been at the door. We've been arrived. People are just starting to notice. That's the only difference. The only difference is people are starting to think it's cool now. So now that it's cool to be a black person, now it's now we've arrived. We've always been putting our fucking work in. Excuse my. Go ahead. Excuse. Excuse it. Excuse it. Everybody's over here. But my mom age. ain't here today. There you go. So. Um, yeah, we've always been putting our work in. I think people have been working on their, their, their projects, their journey for years until people started working. Actually, Ashley was just talking about that before, mm. how she's been doing this, and now people are just starting to realize. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we've been arrived. That's it. Go ahead, now. So is this like a personal question? Do we feel like no, we've been... No, I mean, just from your, your view, I see a lot of black and brown women out here doing really well, but... On the other side of it, I'm, I'm not a black woman, so I don't understand the struggle. I don't understand how hard it is. I only could see from my point of view. But I want to know from you know you guys, uh, do you feel like you've arrived? As, as I mean, a I definitely feel like talking to a lot of producers in like television, like they want us. They're so interested in our content. They're interested in our storytelling, and more than ever, they're really kind of like delving deep to figure out like who the next Issa Rae is, which is which is cool. Um, but personally, I feel like, you know, I just turned 30 last week, y'all. God bless you, hey. And hey, yo, hey, hey, yo. When I was like 22, da -da -da. 23, I thought at 30, I would be accepting my Oscar, you know, doing all these yeah. things. But so I definitely don't feel like I have arrived yet. And I'm definitely someone who like, I get themes and I get like, you know, you know, recognition, but I'm still kind of like, okay, that was cute. You know, right. so I don't necessarily feel like I have arrived, but I definitely feel like if you are a content creator, if you're a filmmaker, if you're a storyteller, now is definitely the time to like, don't stop yourself and put your stuff out there because people, there's like a magnifying glass on us right now. Yeah. Um, I pretty much agree with both of these ladies. I just think we've always been there. Like we've always been at the door. I may be biased y'all, but I always think that black and brown people are the most talented and creative people on the Absolutely. earth. So I just, you know, we've always been there. We've always had the talent. We've always had the knowledge. But like you said, you know, it's just now that they're noticing us. They're just now taking note of really what we can do and how we can like blow shit out the water. Mm -hmm. So um, we're here. We've always been here, like Scotty said. And now we're like kicking the door in a little yeah. bit. So. And I feel like uh, you guys specifically, but a lot of black women are very, especially in 2018, you don't stand for nothing, no kind of bullshit. Um, you know, you may, you may see the content that you guys put out, but you guys are, you stand on a platform of just being proud. Um, proud of where you come from, proud of your product, and just like, it's out here, you guys can accept it if you want, I don't care. Uh, living through your passion though, and living as, as, as somebody who lives through their heart, Scotty, um, you know, 
has there been kickback because of how proud and how black and, and how you know unapologetic you can be? And how have you guys able to navigate that around the digital spaces? Oh, okay. Go ahead. Because right. you are... I'm a passionate, passionate, passionate person. I put my soul into things if I'm really about it. If I'm really about it, I, tr I put my soul into things, people. Jameer's one of them. You know what I'm saying? One of my best friends, but also one of the most talented individuals I've ever seen in my life. All right. Period. No, no joke. Because I've seen blush. a lot of corniness. He's not, he is the, the it thing. He has the it factor. Go cry. So, I'm crying. You see. So, yeah. no, um, as somebody who's been super passionate and super open, I've been, you know, vulnerable and, well, not really vulnerable. I'm taking Yeah, not, 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 that. not that vulnerable. Not that attitude. But I've been open, basically. Uh, an open book. If anybody had any questions about anything, I'm, I'm, 100% for it. I don't, I'm a genuine person, which makes it very hard for me to, to walk through these music industries because I don't like all the fakeness sometimes. I get it. It's part of the game. I got to do it. I got to smile when I don't want to. I got to, you know, go to dinner with people I normally would never go to dinner with. Um, not like date, I'm talking about dinners, meetings, and dinner lunches, please, no sexual. <laughs> but stuff like that where I'm like, you know, I don't wanna sit with y'all, and I don't wanna do these, pick my brains, and I don't wanna do, like, these things. I just, I've just been always passionate. I don't know, you know, I've been told to stop. Plenty of people have told me that I have to calm it down. Many of people have told me I'm just way too proud especially to be black. I mentioned black women a lot when I was doing stuff on the radio, and it was a problem. You know what I'm saying? I didn't give a f I didn't care. Go ahead, you can say it. You know I'm what I'm saying? You. I didn't care. You can say it. I just, I don't give a fuck. I'm proud to be in this skin. I've been in this skin for 27 years. I like my hair. I like this hair, just how it is. I love everybody's hair. You, if you don't appreciate mine, I got it. Cool, fuck you, but I don't need to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't need to. So my passion has always been the forerunner. It has always led me, it led me here. It's the reason why I'm here. How I am led me why I'm here. Like, there's no way I could have just kept held back on things. My passion made me quit my job. Mm. You know what I'm saying? My, my, my heart, legit, I didn't know I was going to quit that day. Like, I wanted to, but I was like, I'm going to sit with it a little bit. <laughs> Watching Nina Simone, legit. Facts. Got up and was, I told my you mom. text me. Yep. He was like, I'm going to quit today. I said, I'm going to quit. I said, you sure? Yep. <laughs> so I'm quitting. And I told my mom, she said, good, please go, leave the place. And I left. That was it. I had things in the work, but I didn't have nothing. Although I would never ask anybody to do that. That's how passionate I am, though. That's legit how careless I am about other things, but more about my peace and more about my happiness and more about my heart and what I believe I can do. I just felt like I hit the ceiling and I couldn't do it anymore. I was legit sick being there, like throw up sick, hated it. 
Wanted to cry going into work. Hated it, hated it, hate. So I had to do it, I had to leave. She it didn't was, like it, I did not like it. So it took a toll on my mental and I just had to go. So yeah, I'm queen of following your heart, queen. I believe it, I, you know, although it takes a, you have to use your mental at times, try to figure out where the hell you're going and all that stuff. But I saved up and I was like, I'm out. Whatever I do, I do. I know I can, I can trust myself with knowing that I can, girl, if I gotta work at the Walgreens, I'll work at the Walgreens, but I couldn't be there anymore. I just couldn't, I couldn't mm. do it. Mm. Powerful. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Sid. I could go on for about this for days. Um, I don't know if some of you guys have experienced it, just being you know, the only black face in a white work environment mm. is pretty hard. So it's exactly girl. So that just having to at first when I first got in that type of space, I kind of wanted to like pull back myself and just pull back, you know, even the type of content that I was doing. But then I'm like, no, like who cares if I'm the only black girl here with an at an all white company damn near. I'm gonna rep for us no matter what. So, you know, I started doing pieces that were close to my heart and as much backlash and bullshit like she was talking about that I got pushback from it it was just made me work that much harder you know there's like episodes like let's say um I remember the blackish episode that I wanted to run when they talk about um protesting and all that stuff um they do you know tv reviews of articles uh articles of tv reviews every day for every different type of show they've done it for blackish in the past so when I wanted to, you know, review that specific article on a Forbes audience, they're just like, no, this is too radical. Like, you know, just gave me so much pushback. And I just know for us, I had to push that much harder and it ended up getting published and it ended up being, I think, the most viewed article for that sector of Forbes for the week. So just stuff like that is really like, I've always admired Scotty because she's just very open with it. And there's been times where, you know, even at certain networks, they've told me I had to take like my braids out, my box braids. Yeah. And I'm just like, for what? And that's partially the reason why I'm freelancing and working for myself today, because I don't want to deal with that anymore. But trust me, like getting to that point, it's definitely a struggle. But you just always got to remember who you are in the back of your mind and remember what you stand for. And at the end of the day, you'll make it all right. Because like I said, we the most talented motherfuckers on this earth. So. So for those who watch The Grapevine, you know that it's very Ooh. like, pro-black and it's very, <laughs> it gets very intense. And so like coming from a background of television and film and being in those boardrooms where I was kind of like a fly on the wall and seeing like people say things like, you know, we need a racially ambiguous person to play this and we don't want it to be too, you know, black. I knew that creating a show like this and having like this raw energy would be um, controversial. And, you know, I've been offered some, some checks, y'all, some checks that could really help me and help the show, but it would, you know, it would water it down. Mm. And for me, like, I'm an Aries. I can't do something. <laughs> I can't do something if my heart isn't in it. Like, literally, I just, I can't do it. Um, so my show has to stay the way that it is. So um, the reality is it is a risk. It's a risk if you stay true to yourself and you're a black person, you're unapologetically black. Um, 
to be honest, I don't know how long I will be un unapologetically black for. Because <laughs> these, um, these bills are real. Um, but, uh, a little bit of white. But what I will say is Apologize. that. Apologize. What I will say that is that because I've stayed real this long, I've, we've attracted, because you know the grapevine isn't just me, we've attracted an authentic audience. We've attracted a family. Like, People don't know, like Jameer, Donovan, Amanda, like we hang out, we talk Facts. all the time. Like it's really like a family. You, and I'm, I'm so happy because like Scotty said, the industry can be really weird um, and it's hard to meet authentic people. So I found staying true to myself, myself staying true to my passion has, has helped me and healed me. So yeah. And I, I think you guys brought up some great points, but sometimes with taking risks and staying true to yourself, uh, you know, you, you find disappointment. You find roadblocks, you find failure sometimes, which is inevitable. But um, we all fail. I'm sure everybody out here has 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 uh, experienced some failure of some type in in their own field. So as far as fields like your career, what are some of the the greatest failures that you've had to overcome thus far? Anybody can start. I experienced a lot. If y'all know me personally, y'all know I didn't talk, I didn't cried, I didn't punch pillows because I'm not as tough, um, but like you get, you, get, you get so worked up and you think that this is end all be all, but sometimes we have to bounce back, but what are some of those things that you've had to bounce back from? Um, I would say when I first graduated film school, I, was, um, I went to Cannes, the mm -hmm. film festival, and I met this producer and based in New York, got back to New York and I became her intern. And my first job with her was being a production assistant for this film called Gaby. And everybody around me were like, all the other interns were like white, you know, you could tell they had some money, you can tell that they've been doing this for a while and they were like younger than me. And I wasn't used to like working on an indie film. Like literally you work from 8 a.m. to like 12 a.m. Mm. And then you need to be back on set at like 6 a.m. And it was so draining for me that like one day I called out. I was just like, I'm really sick, I'm in the hospital. Um, I can't. On the I verge. Can't, I can't do this. Like, and you know, I was. The reality was, I was in Jersey in bed, just trying to catch up on sleep. Later that day, they fired me. Sheesh. They fired me, and I remember calling my um, my mentor at the time, Nikki Atujusu, who's also a filmmaker. And I was like, you know, is this the end of my career? Is anybody ever going to hire me again? Like, I just felt so defeated. And she just said to me, she's like, you know what, Ashley? Like, this is not the end. These women, you know, these people that you work for are very privileged. They don't understand that, you know, you live two hours away, mm. that you're gonna have to go home, that you need some sleep, that you need some rest. And this is not the end. Um, I really thought it was the end of my career, but I ended up working for um, Bradford Young like a week later, mm. the DP. And that, that week where I was unemployed, I really learned that like, you have to pick yourself up like even when you're at your lowest. And you know, white people, they do kind of like run Hollywood, but there oh, are absolutely. black people like Bradford Young, like Nikyatu Jusu, like Ava DuVernay, who are creating opportunities for black people and they created an opportunity for me. So um, yeah, that was kind of like my lowest and that was like in 2011. I haven't had a low since then. God bless you. God bless you. Better walk in faith. Neighbor. So I have different eras of failure. So which era are we talking Let's about? Let's talk about, we talking okay. About? 
All right, so boom. Let's talk about the first time where you really went out for something. You thought you had it. You didn't prayed on it. You didn't ask God for it. Oh, and then it was just okay. swept. Yeah, I got I got tons of those. Well, <laughs> no, I don't have tons, but I have I have one that hurt my heart and hurt it bad. So I had auditioned to be a correspondent for Genius. Oh. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, he remembers that one. It was a tough time. <laughs> tough. Tough time. Um, did great. Did great. Amazing. Excited. You know, they were like, yeah, so we're going to get the papers together. Hyping my head up. I mean, I was like, I'm out of this bitch. Like, bye. <laughs> like, y'all, I'm out of here. Um, and then a hire, a... I, I, I know what you're going to say. A well-esteemed person who looks out for her race called the higher-up of genius and said that she wouldn't be a good look for genius. And um, they, they were like, got you, cool. They picked a nice... L woman. Okay. Who, that's, a, that's a way. Okay. That's a way to phrase. Um, nice woman. I thought she was, she's talented. Get, yes, absolutely. But that woman barely knew me. That woman met me once, twice. She saw me around the hallways of Hot 97. She's, you know, she's done that. And she claims she's part of this woman empowerment, but she's not. She's for her people, which given. I'm for mine, too. But here's the thing. I would never, ever, ever shit on somebody else to get my people up, because I know my people can do it on their own. I don't need to call in and, and hate on somebody else so that you don't get the job, and this other girl can, and it, she ends up getting fired anyway. So my thing was, I don't... I cried, and when I said, mm -hmm. Jamia can tell you, I was like, I'm just going to quit everything that I'm doing. I hate this. I hate this failing shit. I don't like it. You know, I failed a lot. I dropped out of school. Well, kicked out of school, not even dropped. I got kicked out. Kicked out of school. All that stuff, I've been trying to make my mom proud for years. And I haven't had the moment of when I actually have yet. You know what I'm saying? According to her, I make her so proud now. But I still haven't had that feeling yet. And I don't know if there's ever a feeling you get, I guess, because you, as you move on, you want to do more. But that moment right there showed me one I cannot, I could not wait to get in a higher position or whatever it is to sit with her and have a talk, because we was going to talk. One day, we going to have a conversation. She barely knows me, but that was it. I just didn't have the look. You know what I'm saying? And that's what they care about. You know what I'm saying? And at that point, I had dread. I had the faux locks. So I think I had the faux locks, or I had pink braids. One of the two, either way. They wasn't really fucking with it. <laughs> um, so. That was it, you know, I think that was the biggest, greatest failure to me. I mean, I might be skipping over a few, but I'm dramatic, and there's a lot I, f I feel like I fail at. So 
that moment, I think, for me was like an obvious failure, like where I was like, you know, I thought I had it. Genius is exactly where I needed to be in my head because I am a music head. That's all I do. I sit on Genius and read lyrics for fun. That's what I like to do. I have it on my app right now. I just like to read them. <laughs> I like to go through Kendrick Lamar songs just to see how many times he doesn't make sense for me. <laughs> But, no Kendrick. And I love Kendrick. Okay. No, I love Kendrick to death, but there's some lines I can show y'all <laughs> that don't make no sense. But um, yeah, that's what it, that, I think that was it. That was like the biggest, the biggest, that was hard. That, that was hard. Mm. I too have too many stories of failure, <laughs> but um, I think my biggest one would be when I parted ways with Complex. Um, that was real big for me. Um, we couldn't come to an agreement on my contract and there was, you know, boys club issues and just really just a lot of stuff that we couldn't see eye to eye on. So I had to end up leaving and lean. I don't know. My girlfriend's back. I, she remembers when I quit, I just basically, it was a rough time. <laughs> rough child. time, baby. It was a rough time. And, you know, I probably cried for a good week, and I'm just like, I'm about to quit everything. Because, <laughs> mind you, I left Forbes for Complex. I quit my job at Forbes for Complex, and then, you know, seven months down the road, now I don't have nothing. So I'm like, oh, damn, what am I about to do? I don't have anything. Cried for about a week, worried for about two weeks, and then I dipped and went to an island, because I had to get my mind right. When I came back, literally, as I'm landing in Miami, I get an email from another great outlet asking me if I want to interview Ava DuVernay in The Rock, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So my story with that is just like, don't ever count yourself out, because I counted myself out. I said, I'm done. I said, I'm done with all the bullshit. I'm done with the runaround. I'm done with all that. I'm 26. I've been doing this since I was like 18 or 19. I started interning at The Source when I was 18. And I'm just like, here I am yet again with no company under my belt. Yeah. And then, you know, two weeks later, you know, I get two of the biggest interviews of my career. So don't ever count yourself out, y'all. Shit may seem real dark and real low, but don't ever count yourself out. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's important. You, you touched on, you say you felt defeated at a point in time. But again, you, you pushed through, everybody pushed through and things became better eventually once you put your passion into it and you were motivated. For, for me, I, I, when I see you guys, I think there, for all creatives, there's an aha moment. There's an awakening moment in us that comes out like, Lebr like a LeBron James and we just like, all right, I'm about to drop 30 tonight. You know what I'm saying? We all, we all uh, if, if you haven't had it, you know, it's definitely coming soon, but when you're down and, you're, and you feel like you're out, but there's an awakening moment, there's another door, like Sydney said. Um, what was the awakening moment for you guys that you guys felt like, all right, I know I'm damn good at what I do, and I know I could push these platforms that I have to make money, to, to grow a bigger fan base, or to just be a better, X, Y, Z than I already am right now. What was that awakening moment where somebody gave you responsibility that you were like, oh, okay, y'all giving this to me, I'm about to kill it? I think for me, mine happened really early. Mm -hmm. Mine happened in film school. Um, I was like one of three black kids in my class who were Sheesh. studying film. And 
And you know, the white boys, their production quality, whew, you would see their short films just be like, your daddy has money, <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, we didn't, we didn't have that, so we were always in competition. And I think for me, like all of a sudden, like my senior year, there was like this, this energy to like, yo, I'm gonna make like the most beautiful, cinematic looking film. Those Canon 5Ds had just come out, so right. it made it like accessible for everybody. So, you know, there was a time that I was like really sick and I actually was at, in the hospital. Like I, this time I was in the hospital. This is and for real. This was, this was a real time, okay. I was in the hospital. And I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going, I'm going to my senior thesis class, I'm gonna show them this cut. You know, after I got my medicine, hopped out the bed, and ran down Broadstreet, I went to school in Philly, got into class and I was like, you know, this is my, you know, this is my senior thesis. And then everybody just looked at me and they're like, Ashley, this is so beautiful. Mm. This looks so good. Like I can see this on the big screen. And like that, that recognition, like it meant everything. It just meant like I can do this like for real. Mm -hmm. And since then I've just been creating, you know, short films, obviously my talk show. And like I now felt that I've now feel that confidence that I can like stand with the big boys. Right. Yeah. I would say, um, I still feel like I haven't had the biggest aha moment I'ma have. Yeah, I I wanna have a bigger one, <laughs> to, okay. to say the least. Like, I want to really get something, which is kinda in the works now. Hopefully, y'all starting to pray for me. I can't really say too much, but just pray God, please help Sydney get what she wants. <laughs> everybody, everybody take a minute just to pray. Please, just like, I really take appreciate y'all. But I think the biggest one to my recollection was, um, probably um, at Howard Homecoming. I went to Howard, that's like my family. And like I said, recognition, it really means a lot from everyone, but it really, really means a lot, like genuine recognition and appreciation from your peers. So when I went back um, to Homecoming, I think two years ago with Complex, and I, they've never covered Howard Homecoming, and I just think it's such like a beautiful and monumental, if y'all have ever went, it's just like a real, great time to see black excellence out on the yard, everyone partying, having fun, no drama, well. Okay. Uh, a little bit of drama, y'all right. know how we do. I wasn't going out with you, but. <laughs> but. <laughs> a little bit of drama, y'all know how it can be, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, it was just great to like have people come up to me and just be like, yo, like I know your work, I know you, you're dope as hell. And like I said, from the social media and everything, like that stuff can be fake. It can be like, you know, people can have hidden agendas behind it and all that type of stuff. But to really get that from students and alumni alike, like that was my biggest aha moment. I'm like, all right, y'all really noticing me. Like, yeah. I'm, I, so that was, that was it. I haven't had an aha moment. I'm, I've had moments of excitement where I'm like, oh, I would, I'm just gonna do this and I'm gonna try it because I wanna do it. You know, playlisting. I thought, hey, you know, I love music and I'm gonna just put it on the playlist and I'll put, send it out and if people like it, people like it. I mean, there's, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think I've had that yet. I, I know I've, I've been blessed to, for many, like said, said, like many people coming up to me and say things and you know how, you know, inspiring I am and all this stuff, but I still lack self-confidence and I still lack uh, a lot. You know what I'm saying? As far as trusting myself, I trust myself to get the job done, but I don't really know how well I do. 
You know what I'm saying? People can say, Diane, you did so, so good. And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, sometimes I just don't believe it. You know what I'm saying? I've, there's been, there's been a few times where I've been told I have been talented. My mom thinks I'm talented. Certain people think I'm talented. But when you've been run through the rug of other people telling you you're not so much, or telling you, you 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 got it, but you just missing something. Mm-hmm. It's something that you're missing. And you know, you look up to these people and you're like, I don't know, I'm just being myself. I can't really do other stuff. People want you to be extra something. Like if I'm I'm black and black. Thank you. Okay. I'm black. Black. I love being I embrace it. I'm cool. But then like when I was doing this show, they wanted me to act extra black. They wanted to put extra just they wanted to do things that I just was like yeah no <laughs> like no I'm 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 not somebody's you know rag dog where you think like this is the depiction we're trying to do like we're trying to depict you as this ignorant black girl who's loud and whatever whatever and although I am very loud and I am I I'm happy to be loud I'm not going to do it for you it's not this is not a show this is my life this is me this is how I am. So I've never really had an aha moment. I've had moments where I just said, wow, I think I did good. And that's it. Um, I don't give myself that much credit. Mm. I don't feel like I've done anything huge enough for me to give myself that much credit. Um, but given the, the uh, words of encouragement from, you know, Black Girl Podcasts and, you know, the listeners of Black Girl Podcasts and them telling me what my words about certain topics have done for them help me immensely. I still have to go through trying to figure out why is it me that stops myself from celebrating myself, mm. period. So, yeah. Well, I, I do, I want to offer you, like, just because I, I feel like you are worth it and you do amazing things. Um, definitely. Um, you can applaud that, yeah. I'll I give y'all a quick story. Let me tell y'all how popping she is. I was in Vegas. It was like my boy had a, a bachelor party, right? We went to Vegas, jamming out in Vegas, went to a day party. It was amazing. Random dude, never met this man in my whole black life. <laughs> Say, yo, I, I know you from somewhere. I know you from somewhere, cuh. <laughs> I was like, sir, <laughs> I can tell by your gang vernacular that I, I did not roll up on your homies. Anything like that. I am just from New York and regular black. So he kept passing back, like, I know you from somewhere. I was like, sir, please. Like, I, I'm just trying to have a good time with my friends. Finally, towards the end of the party, stopped me. He's like, okay, you ready for this? Scotty Bean, I'll be on her Snapchat, and I see you on her Snapchat. She's popping. Thank God that man didn't rob me. But that's a testament, and I think we, we don't look outside of our normal scope to find like just validation, because y'all are worth it. Everybody here is worth it. And there you go, you clap for that. That was a word. Y'all are worth it. 
And sometimes, you know, brings me to my next point, my next question, we get skewed because sometimes we live between our world and the world of our, our phone, right? We create these moments for people to enjoy on social media, through, through YouTube, through, you know, TV, TV. Um, but sometimes through all that validation, you know, that self-worth, we don't fill that void, you know? No matter how many people tell you you're popping, we don't feel whole, like Scotty said. So is there a balance that you guys have from being accepted on social media to kind of turning it off and living your regular lives? How's that balance been? Well, well, I, I, the reason why I'm so myself on social is because I could be myself off social. Mm. So when people see me, it's you gonna keep. I'm keeping that same energy everywhere, right. whether the phone is down, up, to the side, whatever it is. I'm gonna be the same person. Period. Now, do I have to detach? Yeah, there's moments of detachment because. I can legit be with my family. And I don't see my family a lot. My little brother's in college. My mom is living, you know, she lives in New Jersey. I live somewhere else. My sister's moved out. Like, we're spread it everywhere. So when we have moments to sit with each other and talk, I'm still on my phone like, I got to post this. Oh, wait one second. I got to post this. And then, but then moments where my mom's like, nope, give me a phone. And I'm like, but I paid a bill now. So yeah, I can't. <laughs> but, but. I allow, like, I give it to her because I do. I I don't know how to really turn the phone off, or I feel I have FOMO where I feel like I'm missing something on Instagram or I'm missing something on Twitter. Or if somebody hits me, I'm like, Yo, you seen that Bruno Mars thing that happened on Twitter? Yo, you gotta talk about this. I I drop what I do and I go on Twitter and I talk about it. Um, so I have to learn boundaries. I still haven't, you know what I'm saying? I have, I'm not in the moment where I have a relationship, so I don't need to really sit down with nobody and have to put my phone down. I could peacefully put my, have my phone in my hand and eat. So I, I, I don't know how to detach yet. Um, I've tried doing it, like with things like this. I've been looking at my phone every five <laughs> seconds, legit like, all right, I got to check what's happening. Or emails, because you don't want to miss a certain important email, especially when you're freelance. You don't want to miss an email. God forbid, they're like, oh, no, we've already found somebody, okay. And you're like, that was 20 minutes. <laughs> like, how? So, yeah, it's just important. I, I, I don't know. Maybe Ashley knows, Sydney knows, but I don't know. Um, I don't know. You don't know? <laughs> you don't know. I do, but I don't. I'm not good at it either. Um, like, for example, I just took a group of influencers out um, to an island off the coast of the Bahamas over the weekend. You just I, wait. Hold on. Let's, hold on. Hold on. No. Subtle stunt, by the way. Let's take no, a group no, of influencers no, no. out to an island. Listen. We had fun. We rode dune buggies. It was nothing. <laughs> don't subtle stunt like that. No, no, no. I'm just saying it because I was just talking to Scotty about it. From the outside in, everybody's like, oh my God, like, this trip was so amazing, blah, blah. That was the most stressful trip of my life, y'all. The most stressful trip. But again, it's because you have to document everything. Like, when you do things like that, you have sponsors, you have people who are looking for your story, like, you have all that type of stuff. So you have to constantly create content 
And that shit can be annoying. It could be mm-hmm. troublesome. It could be stressful, especially when you're on an island that's so damn beautiful. All you want to do is sit there and drink a pina colada and like Spice. chill. So it's just like constantly having to create content. But you know, the th- one of the things I did was you know on the last day when all the influencers were gone and out of my hair, I just sat down. I put my phone down. I just went out to the beach by myself and just like sat. I read a book. I relaxed. I listened to music. And although, like, that, what, 45 minutes before my flight, that kind of just helped me bring it home. Like, at least I can have a piece of this for me. You mm-hmm. know, it's just really about, like, keeping a piece for yourself. And because we often give everything to social media. Yeah. Everything, whether it's love, family, work, drama, literally everything we give to social media. So it's really, for me, kind of working on taking, a, taking time to just have a piece to myself, which is hard, again, because it's like, fear of missing out. You don't want to miss out on nothing. Emails, you know, the next big thing that happens, what Donald Trump does next, you don't, you know, especially (laughs) girl, I do too, but especially like when you're, you know, in the news cycle and you work in the newsroom, it's constantly you know, looking for something to happen, but you just got to really just put the phone down and take a time to yourself because it could really become toxic. Like, you can lose your thoughts for others, and that's never what you want to do. I've done it before, so I know how to, like, get out of it and, like, yeah. pull myself out. So if you get in that, you know, that area, y'all, it may happen. But just pull yourself out. Find a, find a way to, to pull yourself out of it. Yeah. Now, at Ashley, uh, the grapevine recently went viral. Um, and I'm sure you uh, got a lot of dis displeased uh, uh, tweets and Instagrams from people. People love Bruno. People, okay, that's one thing I can say. Y'all love Bruno Mars, and I sincerely applaud y'all for that. Um, <laughs> it really do. Like, that's what, I, that's what I learned. That's what I learned. But, you know, you dealing with having to be Ashley Acuna, but also running a show like The Grapevine and still keeping up that, that presence, I'm, I'm sure that you had to find that balance quick as far as social media. I hate social media. Me too. Um, I hate it. It's definitely hindered me, the fact that I hate social media so much, because I'm definitely someone who loves to live in the moment. Yeah. Some of my best moments are not documented. Sneaking into Kanye West parties, dancing on oh, rooftops, wow. dancing on the beach. Like My best moments are not documented, which kind of suck in a way, because mm. I can't show my children. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's some real shit. I did not expect that. Um, so. I don't have that problem, but, um, and thankfully it's because I have like a platform so I can really just focus on the show, focus on the other personalities on the show. Um, but definitely with Bruno Mars, I definitely, with that whole situation, a lot of people were like, you know, now is your time, you really have to brand yourself and you really have to do this, and you really have to do that. And I'm just like, eh. I don't want to, it's not really my theme. Um, and again, like I'm a filmmaker, so I like to be behind the scenes. Yeah. So, you know, People want to say I'm a brand, I guess, but you know the show is really what the brand is, and that's what I try to focus on. That's what you'll see on my social media. Um, people don't really know a lot about me, and that's on purpose. Yeah. Because um, I like my privacy, so yeah, yeah, that's about it. So perfect segue, boom. Didn't know how I was going to do it, but I did that. <laughs> uh, privacy, when we talk about privacy, um, a lot of things as creatives, um, they tend to get out there and you know, people want to see, people want to know, people want to pull things out of you. But like, as far as relationships, I'm talking about intimate relationships, you know. Um, you know, whatever kind of relationships you're into, 
whether it's, you know, boyfriend or just sexual relationships and things like that, how are you able to, <laughs> you good? <laughs> how are y'all able to, uh, to manage that uh, while you're still representing brands and again, like having that medium to cut off uh, things and put the phone down and you know ha has it been hard and <laughs> your eyes are the most <laughs> it's just your eyes they're piercing um but how are you able to have that medium in, in your in your personal life with uh, personal relationships um, I, I realized early on that that was very hard for me. I think my freshman year of high school, college, I met a guy who I thought would be my husband, the love of my life, and I spent the whole year not doing any work and just focused on that. And like at the end of the relationship, I promised myself like I would never do that again. Mm. I would never like put my work on the back burner. And even through heartbreak, even through tears, even through breaking windows, which I've done. Um, yes, I've done it. No, don't nobody. Oh, yes, yes. Don't nobody. <laughs> yes. That's against the law. Sometimes okay? windows need to be broken. That's um, against the law. That's a fact. I've put. I've always been able to put my career first. Um, I just turned 30 last week, like I said earlier. And you know, being from a Nigerian family, there is kind of like a pressure of like, you know, when are you gonna get married? All of those things. And you know, I just realized like I trust the timing of my life. And I, I think now, at 30, I know that I need a man who has his own passion as well. Um, and I have my own passion, and you know, we do our own thing, and then we get together, and we, spe we, we respect each other, there's no competition. Yeah. So right now, I don't have that issue of balance, of having a significant other, um, but I do know that when I do have a significant other, we'll be able to do our own thing, come together, and make it beautiful. Gotcha. That's beautiful. Are we all single, ladies? All right. So there's y'all answer. <laughs> but um, look at all the dudes. Like, oh, really? <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. No, it's it's funny because like my girlfriends tell me they could always tell when I'm I'm single, but you know we have little flings in here and there. But um, my girlfriends always tell me it's kind of funny because when they can always tell when I'm going through something with a guy because what I post on like my Instagram story. <laughs> so it'll be the quotes like, you know, treat a woman well and she'll <laughs> feed you forever or whatever. So oh, it, it, it's just like stuff like that. <laughs> I got to like pull back a little bit just because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. It's like, yeah, I want you to see this, but I don't want you to see this. So it's, right. it's just kind of like, just be private about your private stuff. Like certain things you could be private about, certain things not. I'm single, so I really don't have a lot of those issues right now. But, you know, we all go through stuff with women and men, and we all have relationships. And relationships are hard. Like in your oh, yeah. middle to late 20s, relationships are hard as hell. So it's just kind of like keeping that off social media because all social media does is just make it worse, honestly. Yeah. Like y'all can see with everybody that goes, you know, everything that's happening in the media, like Fetty Wap's babe mama put this on Instagram and, you know, all this stuff. Fat, right, Fab oh. and Emily. Like, I feel like social media just takes such a toll on relationships in today's day and age. Like, our parents didn't have that. Even no. our older brothers and sisters didn't have that. And I feel like that might be why, you know, we're not... Successful? Successful okay. in love and relationships, but there are. Like, I have friends who are getting married in two months, and they're so much in love. So, 
you know, just try and keep your private private and um, not be emotional on, you know, with your posts. So is it a sacrifice, you you think? (sighs) Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. I'm just asking. I don't know. Sacrifice. (laughs) Um, Okay, so similar to Ashley's, I was in love. Couldn't tell me that I was going to marry this man. I love him to death. Still do. That's my guy. I, I, I love him. I do, but he didn't support what I did. Like, he doesn't support anything that I do because he is an accountant. He doesn't understand any of this. He doesn't understand men looking. He doesn't understand, like, a lot of it he just couldn't deal with. And I completely stopped. Didn't do anything, stopped. In in the beginning, I wasn't even doing anything in in the beginning anyway. I lived in Philly with him. I was there whenever. I didn't do much. Like, I just wanted to be around him. And then, you know what happened. And I left, and I put my life into my work. Like, that is when I decided to do the digital producing with Angie Martinez. That's when the opportunity started to open up. That's when I started to produce with Ebro in the morning. That's when a lot of the things started to happen. Before that, I didn't do anything because I was afraid to make him feel like he wasn't a man and like he wasn't getting to this money. Like, and I didn't want him to feel like that. Although like he's not one of those people, he can, I can tell. It's just in his mannerism. And I, he did what he did. And so um, went through a, a few other relationships, never posted them because I don't want it. I don't want <laughs> anything about a man on my Instagram. Like as far as his face on my Instagram, it's not gonna happen. Why, why? Not, huh? Why? I don't want it. I don't want the hey sisses. I don't want the oh, how long y'all been dating? Hey, how, I don't want none of that because I know there's going to be some other women that's going to say something to me and then it's going to get to my head and I'm going to break up with the nigga and then we won't be together. So I stay away from that. Although I do do my fishing, just I do scroll. I do find out where you've been. You know, like I do find that. But I don't, I don't post. I will never show any. Probably when I'm getting married is when the moment where I'm like, hey, finally. Big reveal. Right. I will. It'll never happen. (laughs) Never. Um, At this point in my life, after dating somebody, you know, I'm realizing that whoever it is, you have to be my piece. You legit have to be somebody I can come to and put the phone down and be like, yo. Shit is crazy out here. (laughs) Like, if I can't do that with you, then it's quiet. I can't. I can't date you. I can't continue to 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 build with you. I don't want to build anything. I want us to be individual people, and we just grow doing our own thing. But yet, we support each other. That is it. I don't have to show that it's valid you know, on Instagram that we, it's us against the world. I know in my mind that it's us against the world. Now, what he wants to do on his Instagram is what he wants to do on his Instagram. But as for my Instagram, it's not going to happen. No. So, yeah, that's it. No. So Never. Clearly, there's a balance that you guys have to 
obtain if you, <laughs> clearly. A lot of sacrifices being made. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so we're gonna do a portion of a q and I want you guys to think of some questions. If anybody has questions, we'll make an orderly line and uh, we'll pass the mic around. Uh, last question before I let everybody ask you guys questions. As far as digital spaces, um, it's ever changing. And I feel like as creators, we get uh, very attached to our work, very attached to our work. When is it okay, or has there ever been a time where it's been okay for you guys to go, you know what, I love this, I'm a part of this, it's in my soul, I've created this, but I have to put it down and make something greater. Or I have to put it down and make another move. Or I have to put it down just because it, it needs to be tweaked a little bit. Um, because I feel like so many people get discouraged, like I'm, I'm this one thing, and nothing else, and I feel like I can't get out of this one thing, but when is it okay, or have you guys felt it's okay to put something down to let it grow or to leave it behind? Go ahead. Okay, well, um, when you know in your heart you are not as passionate about it anymore, mm. put it down. Sit it down until it comes back, because it might come back, but at this moment in time, you know, I do this thing called Scotty Feedback, right, where I sit with a steamed person in music where, you know, they, they give some advice to upcoming rappers. I hit this wall where it started to get big, but I just started to feel like shit was sounding the same and it drove me crazy, legit. 3,000 entries, 5,000 entries I would go through at night and legit be like, wow, this shit sounds the same. I am losing, and I am a big fan of hip hop. I legit had to put down hip hop. Yeah, yeah. I put it down. So if you came here to give me a mixtape, it's quiet. Because <laughs> I put that shit down. I'm away. not picking it up until I'm passionate about it again. I'm not doing it. So, you know, <laughs> I'm dead ass. I'm dead ass. Because the people that came, there's people that came to another event. They came and gave me a mixtape. I said, I have nothing for you, sir. I don't do this anymore. <laughs> I don't. Because I am tired of the same run around, this whole gimmick of rap not taken seriously. I like, I like a silly rap. I think it's fun, Hippity but not hop. fucking everything. Mm. It's, driving me, it's driving me crazy. So I decided to put it down. And everybody, you know, once in a while on Twitter, if you're like, can you bring Mascotti feedback? Hell no, because y'all don't take it seriously. Y'all want one song, and y'all want to be out. Y'all want one hit, and y'all want to be out. I don't support it anymore. I'm good. I'll support the music that I like, J.I.D., you know, the Earth Gangs, the, all of it. All of it. I support all of it. But as far as upcoming rappers, I'm confused at what your motive is anymore. I don't understand your motive. I don't understand the point anymore. I don't get it. I don't see the hunger anymore. I don't see, you know what I'm saying? It sounds trash. It's bad. I have no problem saying it's trash. But I'm tired of saying it's trash. Like, I'm just tired of it, so I won't do it anymore. Um, so I put it down. I put down hip-hop as a whole, and that's my soul. Like, I love hip-hop yeah. to death. 
I do. If you notice on play on my playlisting, literally I've been doing R&B, soul, <laughs> disco. Shit, I'll do country before I do anybody's <laughs> hip hop. I don't want to do it. I don't believe in what's going on right now. I don't know what resurgence niggas think that is happening. I don't want to. I don't. It's trash. This shit is trash. So I don't want it. So yeah, my heart's not in it. I decided to drop it. It'll come back. Hopefully, you know, when I get older, probably 28. You know what I'm saying? 20. October? 29. That's October. Yeah, that's, that's right October. That's right 28, there. 29. I come back and I'm like, all right, God. now where are we at with it? It's bad out here. The showcases, I don't care. I don't care. Also, if you in here to tell me, nah, you got to come to the showcase <laughs> at the Brooklyn. We got like eight different people. It's really good. You know, whatever. No. I don't want to hear it. I don't care that much anymore. I don't. Right now, my focus is on black women. Mm. My focus is on doing something that I'm super passionate about. Sundays at Scotty's. I'm yep. passionate about it. I want to do more about mental health. I want to do more about therapy. I want to focus on Black Girl Podcasts. I want to do things like that. I don't feel like right now hip-hop needs my attention and it doesn't deserve it. Sheesh. Word. A word. I think you should put something down where you're no longer happy. Mm. So similar, you know, piggybacking off of Scotty, you know, your passion should make you really happy. And the moment it doesn't, that's the time to leave it alone. Um, I always tell people, like, when I shoot the show, we have so much fun. Like, I yeah. wish you guys could see it. It's such a great time. It brings me so much joy. Um, but I don't care how big the show ever gets. If it no longer makes me happy, I will put it down. Please, um, hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> I might give it to you. I can give it hold to you. Hold on now. Just at least give me an email. Let me know. I'll let you know. Okay, I'll let thank you, know. you. Thank I'll, you. Also, I do believe that, you know, for me, and I think a lot of, you know, all of the women on the, the panel agree that, you know, when people, we get a lot of, like, emails and, like, tweets, like, you guys should do this, and you guys have to do this, and, like, it feels like, hold up, like, yeah. it feels like this, a job. I never want what I do to feel like a job. So, you know, I always say, like, Feels like a job. I'm not happy. That's it. Pass it off with a nice check. Oh, with a lot of zeros, but go. I'll pass it <laughs> off. That's it. Um, I just I agree with both of these women. I just think again, when you're not happy, when you're not passionate, you gotta just separate yourself from it. Like when you know, I was at certain outlets. I would dread coming into work every day. Like literally, like why do I have to come into work today? It's not because I have to be there at 9 a.m. Even though I'm not a morning person. It's because I just, I'm not passionate about what I'm doing anymore. I just, there's no like spark. There's no butterflies. There's none of that that I used to get. And um, I had to put it down. I had to separate myself from that organization and just move on and really start to focus and write about things that I cared about and that I'm passionate about. And that kind of sparked it. And it's like, literally, we're telling you guys this and it's 100%. Like, you're not gonna be able to create new fresh ideas off of you know, unhappiness and stress and everything. You're gonna have that regardless, but it has to be a mix of it. You have to be passionate and love what you do and be able to deal with the bullshit at the same time. Not always deal with the bullshit and only be happy sometimes. Mm. Give it up for three, these three amazing women right here. <laughs> Get your gems today. 
Okay, so while we appreciate you, my brother. Uh, while we're doing the Q and A, and I want people to like, you know, raise their hand if they if they want if they have questions. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, while we're doing the Q and A, uh, we're gonna pass around some raffle tickets that you guys can fill out. We're auctioning over. I know we got stuff for y'all here. Uh, Kills is auctioning off a wonderful package. So um, if you got, thank you, Kills. By the way, really, really appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. There it is. Should I hold it? Okay, ooh, ah, here we go. Okay, what is it? Yeah, I got wine. Amazing uh, calendula extract toner, some cleansing face wash, a hydration mask, that an ultra facial. Mask, there, there's just a lot of things in here, so you guys just gotta fill out that raffle ticket. Fill out that. Hey, I, Let me I, see that we, we get. Do we get one? Our oh, hydration man sounds wonderful for the skin. All right, so it is. So we're gonna hand out uh, raffle tickets for you guys that want raffle uh, tickets to uh, auction off that. Um, oh, also we have our out of body party coming up right immediately after. Please don't go nowhere. We have amazing DJs, DJ Fab Rock, Cozy Craig, about to kill this shit. Ooh ooh. All right, so where is everybody who had a question? And we'll do this, uh, yeah, okay. So it's, it was women, it was a lot of women. I'm gonna start with the brother, that's all right? Don't kill me, sister. All right. Stand up or sit down? Stand up. Uh, um, this is for all the ladies, the question. It's a question. It's like, oh. oh, it's a question. Just to let you know. It's a question, all right. Um, if you ladies weren't doing what you were doing, what would you be doing if you weren't, you know, what would be, what's your plan B if there was? No plan B. Right, facts. I'd be working at Walgreens. I don't know where I'd be going. <laughs> Shout out to the people who work at Walgreens. No, but I have no, I have no, I, I'm not, I'm not too proud. I work at the Walgreens if I have to, but I'm going to continue to do what I have to do. Right. I'm going to continue to work on my passion. I, I, that's what I would be. There's no real plan B for me. Um, my stuff has to, like, everything has to happen. I believe it'll happen in due time. So, yeah. I'm going to cheat real quick. One more last question. I'm done. Um, what would you tell your younger self? You know, being what you know now, what would you tell your younger self? Ignore those boys. Like, for real. Hello. Like, honestly, like, ignore Hello. them. Hello. Because I'm not with any of them now. So it's just like, it wasn't really worth it, yeah, you know? True. Ignore them. <laughs> that, that was a word. <laughs> Ignore. No, I, I think I would just say, uh, keep your head up. You know, this shit is hard. I know whatever, especially if I'm speaking to 19-year-old Diani, who legit was in the darkest place of her life, I legit would be like, you know, girl, I promise, I promise, if you even keep an eyelid up, just one eyelid, I know it's, it looks terrible from here. It doesn't even look promising. But if you keep your just one eye lit up and a little, a slither of confidence of how, you know, how much potential you do have is possible. Like it legit is possible. And that's all I probably could say to her because she probably wouldn't be listening to me anyway. <laughs> I would just tell myself that everything's going to be all right, honestly. Um, a lot of times when stuff happens, we freak ourselves up so much, it makes it worse. We worry to the point where we make ourselves sick. And it's just really 
had to believe in my faith, honestly. Like, at the end of the day, I was like, you know, God willing, everything will be okay. I'm still saying that to this day. Like, kid y'all not, my mom's literally in the ER right now. But wow. I'm just saying, Prince like, she's going to be all right. She told okay. me, Sydney, get your ass to that panel <laughs> and talk about what you got to talk about. You know, because other people, and God willing, she'll be all right. She'll be out the hospital tomorrow. But just don't. I think I would tell my younger self, because I freaked out to the point where I've given myself like anxiety attacks and like all types of stuff. And that's why I said I really relate with her with that like mental health. That stuff is real. Yeah. That stuff is real. So you cannot psych yourself out. And that's what I would tell myself like, Sydney, everything is going to be all right. You're not going to die. You're not going to, the world is not going to end. Everything's going to be all right. Mm. Can I add one more thing? Yeah, Go ahead. I wanted to add one more thing too. <laughs> I would, I would There's more. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, start early. And um, one of my biggest mistakes was waiting until I had like money to start. Like I didn't start the grapevine until I got a job um, that Donovan hired me at. And I started, I was able to pay for my own show. But I wish I would have started laying the foundations earlier. And I, th I think I would have been a lot farther now. But yeah. Okay, um, what I would say is stop taking everybody's word as a solid word. I stop believing what their critique is, is truth. Now, some of it you can take, yes, and keep it in the back of your mind and maybe, maybe pick from it, pick small things, you know, where you feel like you can change, you know, fix a few things, but never change the base of the foundation of who you are, period. And, you know, don't let anybody scare you into, you know, not being the unapologetically you. You know what I'm saying? They will do it. Brands will do it. Uh, a bunch of places will do it. They'll do it. But as far as soon as you see that you you know they they want to try to change, tell them no. They're okay. They'll deal. And they'll either you know they'll keep you or they not. But at least you have yourself. You don't get lost. You know what I'm saying? That's what I would say to my younger self because I used to care a lot about what people said. God, if you said one thing that made me feel like I'm just not doing all that I can do, it was automatic fail. I didn't want to do it anymore. I hated it. I dropped it. So just keep on moving. That's it. Uh, more. Uh, okay, I gotta go with. I gotta go with the sister. Yeah, come on. Come. Yeah, come. Come up and project. Just because I don't know what's. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Hi, y'all. My name is Fabiola. Um, hey. uh, the first thing I want to say is more of sentiment towards you. So you shouted me out last time. My time to shout you out. Mm. So about I started following Diani because a friend of mine, Joe, actually tagged you on his Instagram. And I was just like, oh my gosh, she's so gorgeous. I was like, like, ridiculous. It's kind of disgusting. And um, I was just like, okay. And then I started following her journey. I started following Black Girl Podcast, which I love. And it's amazing. If you don't follow it, everyone should. I out. think they, it is your best girlfriend that you're talking to on the phone for hours that you do not ever want to put the phone down. I didn't grow up with a group of black girls like that because I grew up with a predominantly white school. So I didn't have that. So listening to them, I was just like, these are my friends, these are my family, these are people that I want to hang out with. That's the first thing. About three weeks ago, I was thinking about quitting my job. And I heard your podcast, the episode where you're talking about quitting. And I was just like, 
it's an itch that I've had for a long time, and everybody that's been in my industry, I've been in the industry, fashion industry for over 10 years, and a lot of people are always just like, well, what are you waiting on? What I don't understand. And when Diani talks about leaving, and she talks about her first day after having left her job, and she was just like, what the fuck did I just do? And I was just like, that's how I kept feeling I would feel leaving. I finally left. Uh, Monday was my first day as a freelancer, yeah. full time. Right. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Thank yes, you. yes, 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 yes. And I cannot say how free I felt, but I feel like a lot of it is because of you. And I think as much as you say, you're like, oh, I don't understand why. It's like, you're just so relatable. You make people feel comfortable. You make people feel like, okay, you know what? There's somebody listening to me. There's someone there supporting me. So don't ever question that. Because there, there's always gonna be a sister there for you feeling like, yo, she got my back and I don't even know her. Diani has replied to every single one of my messages. <laughs> every time I'm right here, I'm like, wait, but I have a question, I have a question. And the, last, the first time I met her was last week at another talk that she did, and she greeted me like I was her best friend. I don't know how many people you admire that do that to you, because I think a lot of people are just like, mm, okay, whatever. She was like, fab! I was like, oh, shit, <laughs> So I want to say... Wow. No, because literally she had... No, 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 because she shouted me out, and I was in there like this, so I'm like... No, literally, she... When she was making her speech about leaving, the whole time she was like this. And I was like, bitch, really? <laughs> like, I thought we was like, okay with sharing it with everyone. But I want you to know that that's what you do and don't ever question it. I go to church and FCBC and the one thing they say is lean into it. Lean into everything that you're doing, so don't doubt it. Ever. Okay, this is my one question though. Oh. I had it, I had it. <laughs> Okay. No, I was good, right? So there's a question for all you ladies. If your biggest failure didn't happen, where do you think it would be now? Mm, that's a good question. I know. I'm you did that thing. You did your thing. The question is, if your biggest failure did not happen already, where would you be now? I got that? That's good? Okay. Me? Yeah. Um, the failure that I spoke about or the biggest Just one? The one that you feel like was the most failure of failureism In life. In life. Um, kicking out, getting kicked out of school. It's the biggest failure of my life. Um, disappointing my mom. Biggest failure of my life. Um, I think if I would have stayed in school and... Nah, I wouldn't have stayed in school. <laughs> I'm not even trying to lie. I hate school. So there was just, I like the social aspect. The social aspect is amazing. I made so many friends at Clark Atlanta University. I made so many friends at Morehouse, Spelman, everything. So actually the reason why I'm here is also due to them because they've pushed me up. Even when I left or whatever, they were still like, yeah, nah, you're cool. You know, we're good. Like, we, I hung out with them. I still hang out with them. It just, they became my mecca, my family. Um, so I feel like I would be somewhere here, but I can't really say I wouldn't, I, 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 could, I would be here. I probably would be a bit behind because school to me in my eyes, and not to everybody, I'm sure everybody's a fan of school. Here comes some shit. No. <laughs> Here it comes. School didn't have what I possessed. They mm. couldn't teach me what I 
what talent I had of making content. They weren't teaching me how to make content. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know, and also as a lost girl in school, I didn't know what major to take. I was like, I don't, I guess I'll do journalism. No, okay, I'll do something in TV. And then I, I, I didn't know what exactly to, what to put my foot on. And they didn't help me. So I can't say right now, I'd probably be a psychology major graduating and then finally doing what I wanted to do, because that was my thing. I wanted to be a psychologist. Don't ask, I don't know, just one day. And that's what I did, but I guess that's what I would be doing now, I'm sure. You know what I'm saying? Just so that I won't disappoint my mother. But I guess since I got the disappointment out the way, like there was no way. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's nothing else more disappointing. My mom was the most hurt I've ever seen, ever. Cause it's, it's you know, you pour time into this human. You think she's, she has all this potential and she fucking drops the ball completely just drops it and I didn't give a two shits about school so I was happy but I also was just super depressed because I let my mother down I severely let her down so I can't even say that I would be where I am because most of my work here and I swear to God on my grandfather's grave most of my work and most of what I do is because I don't want to fail her ever again. Mm. I don't want to disappoint her ever again. I don't want to see that face ever again. I plead with my brother so that he can stay in school because one of, one of us got to graduate. <laughs> one. You know what I'm saying? Um, although my sister has, you know, her master's, her master's, master's, and her master's, master's, master's. But I want my brother to do the same thing because he's a black man. I think, you know, it'd be dope to see that. I just... I think it, I just for it, but for myself, I just couldn't see it. I don't see it. I don't know. Yeah. I think um, I probably would be married with kids. Married with um, kids. <laughs> Actually, most don't likely. Too bad. No, like for me, like so. There was a guy that really loved me yes. at the time of my lowest point. And, you know, he was in the Navy and he was like, you know, just forget about this. Let's move to Hawaii and like you live on base and you'll have kids. And I was really thinking about it. I was that like, you know, Hawaii sounds cool. But there was a part of me that was just like, I feel like I would have, you know, if I would have went that route. I would have died and been like, like shoulda, coulda, woulda. You remember yeah. that scene in Sister Act with the mom when she was like. <laughs> <laughs> Donovan knew the exact when, one right off rip. When she was, when she was. <laughs> yes, baby. Yes. When she was, um, when she was talking to Lauren and she was like, you know, people on the corner are singing their shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And like, that just kept like ringing in my head. Like, I don't want to be on the corner singing my shoulda, coulda, wouldas. So I said no to the guy. Um, and I decided to keep pushing. And I really think it's the best decision I've ever made. Mm. It was the most pivotal decision I've ever made because I was really at a fork in the road, like, who is Ashley Akuna gonna be? Is she gonna be some, a stay-at-home mom with like six kids? That sounds really depressing. And, six. you know, I decided not to do that and I'm yeah. really happy. Uh, y'all was, was getting at it in your fantasy. Y'all was six. Go ahead, I hate seven. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got. Are we back? Yeah, we back, we okay. back, we back. Um, I think I wouldn't be here today if um, I would've, y'all, I wanted to be a flight attendant so bad. <laughs> See, 
I got out of college, I interned at the source, and then for about two good months, I didn't have a job. My uncle is a pilot at Southwest. My mom sent me the link like, girl, you got bills. <laughs> Apply now. I applied. Um, I actually got the job and turned it down because just when I re remembered what the hours require, I'll be traveling all the time. I wouldn't have Wi-Fi. So it's kind of like I would, but I wouldn't. Pivotal. I wouldn't. Pivotal. I mean, it, it was kind of a thing where I wanted to do that to pay my bills and then do my creative writing and stuff on the side. Um, but just realizing that when you're a flight attendant, that's a full-time job. Like, you're traveling to all these different countries, you don't have reception. Like, I talked to my girlfriend about it, who is a flight attendant, she's like, mm, that may not be the best idea. So I turned it down and I was literally working with my girlfriend who owns a PR company, literally making like clothing runs for her just to pay my bills. And then two weeks later, I got an interview at, at Forbes for an editorial assistant and became the first black girl to report on wow. camera. So Let's you never know, y'all. You never know. You Let's really talk never about know. That. I got you. Okay. Yes. Come come up. Mm -hmm. I got you, bro. I got you. Okay, shirt. Strike. You were the first one I wanted to say. First of all, last night, our version of events, Emily Sandy, what, what, what? You posted Emily Sandy, our version of events. Oh, yes. I said, she's a real one. She's Emily a real Sunday one. They got, that got me through college. They got me through college. I love her. Um, she's a real Adele, but yeah. they don't know that. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going through a weird phase. I've been in New York for about two years now. Where are you from? Syracuse, New York. <laughs> yeah, I went to school in Buffalo. Um, no, I didn't go to Esh. Buffalo State? Yes. My mom went to Buffalo come State, on. and so did my come sister. On, mama, and come so, on, yeah, sis. everybody did. All right. My father. Okay, woo woo. Um, so, I guess I'm going through a weird phase in my life. I'm 26 now. I went to school for hospitality, womp, womp, womp. Um, came out here, <laughs> um, became a certified wedding and event coordinator. Um, planned weddings, did all these things just to get to that moment. Like you ladies said, I was on board. And so I got into blogging last year um, because I was broken. I lost, my brother was murdered. Wow. A guy broke my heart and my best friend of 18 years, we're no longer friends. So I was like, okay, I, all of this happened in one month. So I was like, I need an outlet. And so I literally, my roommate at the time, she was like, start posting pictures and then figure it out. And I was like, what do you mean? I don't even know what a blogger, like how to be a, how to be a blogger. She's like, start posting pictures and figure it out. And so I did that and I've kind of become accustomed to like researching social media, marketing, branding, just everything. And it's like led me to some um, kind of crazy things. Now I am a media host for a website. I still continue to blog. I'm doing all of these things a year late, only a year later. So, but I got to this point and people still want me to be in a box. And I am a first generation student in college. I come from a bigger, my dad has eight kids and I'm the only one who went to college, only one who graduated. So I have no one to identify with. So, you know, I look at people like you or, you know, Gia Peppers or like the Angelese and I like look for inspiration because I have none. And I want to figure out like. It's healing. It's, it's healing right here, y'all. It's healing. This is healing. Sorry. 
Sorry. Can we get a, a, a tissue I'm good. as well? <laughs> Y'all can edit this out. <laughs> um, but I say all of that because, you know, I feel like when you say you go to therapy, I don't think, just, I'm coming with my question, but second part, People need therapy. I hope y'all know that. Like our black community don't really recognize that we all need therapy, but we do. Just so y'all know that. But I say all of that because I went through all these things and I've overcome so much in only a short time and I've become so um, focused on moving forward. But for a person who has no, thank you. I didn't go to school for me, you know, for broadcast and communication, all this stuff, but I really want to take it serious. Um, I do take it serious. I have a love for just social media, for um, the world of media. And I really want to know how can I continue to push forward without that background? You know, you go on to these, um, your LinkedIn account, you apply for these jobs now and they want five years experience. They want, you know, they, they want all of these different things. Can you yes. give me some advice for like building my resume and continuing to, you know, Listen grow in the industry? Listen to what I'm saying to you. <laughs> Lie your ass off. When I say, I am not joking. I'm dead ass. Because the five years of experience, what's hard, what's hard, to, what's hard for me to believe is you want me to have five years of experience and also graduate from school, and you're not looking for somebody who's over the age of 30. So explain to me who the fuck are you looking for? Because I can't possibly, you can't possibly think that I'm gonna hop out of school and then get into an extreme job, have experience for five years, and then come to you and be like, I'm ready at 27. That shit does not exist. It doesn't exist. So I'm not yelling at you. I'm no, sorry. No, I'm no, yelling. but no, it's okay. I'm, You're passionate. I am. I, so I, I lied. On, I went to so Columbia Records, looking for interns. I've already fucked up in school. It was gone. I said, you know what? Let me go ahead and lie on this internship uh, thing. I said I was going to school. I gave my friend's number on the recommendation of, you know, she can speak GPAs. So I was like, girl, just say that. You know, say that you in the, in the Clark and blah, blah, blah. And you did it. She did all the talking. Yeah. Um, if they call and have to, you know, because they have to do something with your, yeah, all that. Whatever. Gave her, I trusted her. Did that. Got the internship. It was eight of us at Columbia Records. I was one, there was only two black people, me and the other person. Eight people. At the end of the internship, it was just me and another girl. Only two people. These people all went to school and whatever, but they got dropped because they made decisions, just dumb decisions. I was willing to do anything. And when I say, I, you need your kids picked up, I'm out. That part. You need the coffee, I'm out. You need this, I'm out. I'm do it, I'll do it. You need me to do something, you need me to learn something. I've learned BDS, all those things at the record label because I didn't know what exactly I wanted to. And when they didn't have anything for me to do there, I went to advertisement. I went to the other, you know, marketing. I went to other parts of the record label where I can learn and be like, hey, I'm just this annoying girl that wants to learn shit. So if you have anything that you can tell me or, you know, because I wasn't much of a speaker either. A lot of interns these days have a lot of opinions. And I'd be like, girl, shh, just work. It's a new day. I wasn't allowed to sit and have an opinion on whose album gets to go first. 
I was legit in the back like, all right, well, this is what they do. You have to mentally take every note that you, you, sit, you sit with people, you, you talk to people. Don't ask to be sitting with people. Just if they invite you, you sit down and you sit and you listen to them talk. They just like, they like talking too. You know, a lot of these record heads and whatever, they have so much wisdom. You know what I'm saying? And they want somebody to listen to them. Just sit and listen. But I'm not even talking about record. I'm just saying anybody. They just like talking. They have so much wisdom that they're willing to give people. But because people are, some people feel like they're so high up where you've already, you're like, girl, you, you don't, you're, you're an intern. You know, you just sit and learn. That's it. That's all you're here for. And if you are not too proud to be an intern, I say do it. I understand there's like tons of places that's don't, that don't do that anymore. You have to go to school and they do like a triple background check. But as far as the jobs and the resumes and shit, lie. Also, Adidas, I, wanted, I was going to quit Hot 97 because I was a street team member for too long. I hated it. I used to hide in the bathroom of the train because I didn't have money to do, but first of all, people who live in New Jersey, it costs 20 something. Right, it costs about a strong $22 every day. I ain't had that. So I would have to hide in the bathroom of the train to get to New York City and sleep at the station. God forbid I want to do something at night or whatever, the trains don't run, I gotta sleep at the station. Then the next day I'm just prepared for work, like hey, just came early just in case anybody had anything for me to do. I went to Adidas. I lied on that resume. I said, I went to school. I am a fashion merchandiser. I did this, I did, I got that. They interviewed me twice. <laughs> Sat with them, everything, I had the job. And they said, yes, we're giving you the job, we're offering you the job, great. All you gotta do is Google, look up what fashion merchandising was. I was spitting the facts right there. I was like, and then you gotta do this, and then you got, and you have to speak with confidence. That's all I really want is confidence. And then when you get in that door though, when you get in that door, you have to show your ass. Legit. I got a lot of that, so I can do that. Well, show it. I mean, work extremely hard for it. So that even if they find out about the lie, if they even find out about your lie, because Columbia found out about my lie, they eventually was like, ma'am, When do you go to school? I was like, I don't know. If you need me, I'm here. I can just quit. And they were like, no. So they looked into it and they found out I was not in school. And they kept me. They kept me there. I was the only intern there. Because legit, I did anything it took. I kid you not. I literally picked people's kids up from school. So what I'm saying is just, once you get your foot in that door, once you lie, lie through it. You get your foot in that door, you don't look back. You don't look back. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, so because the after party has to commence, I have to stop questions and I'm sorry. One more, can we do one more question? First of all, I might not even start working until two days ago. Oh, everybody still got their, oh yeah. Right I think you, I think you on the pen, you good. I think you good. Okay, let's. 
keep. I, I go ahead. I gave both. Oh, you did? Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, so you gotta keep one of them. Um, one of them has the space to write your name. The other one you gotta give to me. Uh, and then right after the last question, we're gonna announce the winner. Okay. So I'm gonna be walking around. You guys gotta find me and give me the little paper. I see you, I see you. So I'm sorry, it's the absolute last question. Hit this gentleman right here. Okay. I'm sorry, y'all, I don't make the rules. I am sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, sister, I'm brother. Yeah, so y'all can linger and network. Y'all know how to network. Come on, brother. It is. I'm sorry. I don't know what to do. What's going on, everybody? Uh, my bad. Um, my name is Chaz Cleveland, and um, I'm just happy to be here. I'm grateful for everybody up here. I'm grateful for everybody in the audience. Um, the reason why is because, um, you know, it's a special day for me, too. I ain't going to take too much time, but, you know, it's a special day because... You know, not only did we lose like our leaders, you know, but on this day in like 2014, me personally, I was um, a victim of police brutality. You know what I'm saying? But God is good, so I won the case. I sued them and I won. You feel me? So, yeah. So I'm just happy to be here because it could have been worse, you know. So um, damn. So I mean, my question is, is that you know, I'm I'm an artist. I'm not trying to hand you a mixtape. But I got one handy just in case. If you Nah, nah, no mixtape today. But follow my sound and no, I'm just playing, I'm just playing. But now nah, um, my question is basically like when before you guys like blew up and got into the places you, you are in right now, how did you keep from getting distracted like from outside influences like, you know, in the street or, or wherever, in your personal life? Um, I, is this working? I was distracted multiple times, um, but like I said earlier, <laughs> um, I just made a conscious decision to never, to always put like my creativity and my artwork first. And also, you know, I, my family is very, um, like my dad grew up very, very poor. And one day he sat me down and he was like, you know, I never really, I'm not really close to my dad. Like I grew up with him, but like African fathers are like a whole nother story. But one day he sat me down and he was like, you know, I lost my mother when I was a child. I was on the streets of Lagos. Like my dad was like the kids on the street, like selling stuff. And he was like, I've sacrificed so much for you to be here and for you to make something of yourself and he's the only one of his family that was able to come here. Like, his youngest sister just died last week, you know, of AIDS, and now we have to figure out how we're gonna take care of her three children. So when he sat down with me and told me that, like, everything changed, and I was like, I have people to take care of, like, it's not only about me, like, I was placed, I was put in the US for a reason, I have to make it because I have to take care of other people, so it's not about me, and I, like, always go forward understanding that I have other people to help. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, just to piggyback off that, it's really just kind of about, like, 
narrowing in and focusing on what drives you. Like the same thing. My parents, my dad's from Bedside, Brooklyn. My mom's from the south side of Chicago. So I grew up, you know, relatively well. But for them, just to see, like, they never kept me out the hood. They always brought me back to where they grew up, both Chicago and in Brooklyn. So I'm like, yo, y'all really came up. And y'all did that for myself and for my little brother. And that was my driving factor. Because at the end of the day, like, I'm making my bread now and I'm supporting myself. But very soon, I want to be able to support them. I don't want them to have to lift a finger just because of everything that they did for me. Like, they literally came from what some say are the two worst hoods in America, literally. Like, and to see how much they grind and dedicated and even kind of, like, gave up their marriage for me, just for me to be successful, that's all I think about when I get distracted. Like, mommy and daddy. Mama. Mama. Oh, I would say I already spoke about, you know, me disappointing my mom. I think that's what keeps me out of everything. Because I talk to my mom every day. She is my light, literally. She's my light. She's my best friend. She's all I have. We didn't, ha you know, I didn't have a father like that. Like, so for her to be, you know, literally, I, I used to want to be exactly like my mom, exactly. Like, I wanted to do my hair like my mom. I wanted everything like my mom. And I know that if I keep pushing and I keep working and I keep doing what I'm doing, eventually I'll get to pay her back a little bit of what she's done for me. Just a small, I can't even, I'll never be able to pay her back completely. You know what I'm saying? But I know for a fact that I'll be able to do something for her. That it, it'll be shown in a big way. So I think that's what keeps me from getting distracted. Because I talk to her every day. There's no way. It's no, you know, there's no out of sight out of mind. Because legit, she calls me every single day. She prays for me every single day. You know what I'm saying? So I can't, I can't, I can't, I cannot. Can't do it. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for your questions. Great questions. All right, let me read off this raffle ticket that I literally, random, not caping for nobody, all right? All right, so y'all ready? Let me get a drum roll, please. I love watching black people. All right, the winning ticket is 0901. Nine. That's you? Hey! Get your kills product, uh. Get your kills product, uh. Yes, you do. You, all right, come, come, and get, come and get your stuff. Come and get your question. Hold girl. on. Let me see your ticket. You deserve that question. Where's your ticket? Let me make sure. I'm a little at the ground. Just need to see a ticket. I don't know who lying. Somebody lying. Somebody could be. Zero, seven, one, five. Oh, she got it. She got it. She got it. Congratulations. What's your name? Amanda? Uh, you, you done earned it. The final question of the, this is it. That's it. Come on. Um, so I just wanted to ask, um, Ooh, being a, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so <laughs> being um, a black lady in New York with a British accent, I think that sometimes I may be, especially in the environment that I'm working, um, I'm kind of put on a pedestal, and I'm kind of like, you guys don't know me. 
just relax, we're all, you know. But so really I wanted to direct my question at Sydney. Um, being a lighter skinned lady, do you ever feel like you have been given a little bit more opportunities when you do try to kind of market yourself? Um, because I think that although we don't think it, skin color does definitely make a difference. And um, my sister, <laughs> my sister is um, a little bit lighter skin than you, and she talks about her frustrations all the time when she walks into somewhere, how they treat her like, oh, you know, oh, they'll just talk to her about random stuff or what have you if she's sourcing a venue or something. And then she'll turn around and be like, why are they treating me like this? Then she realizes, oh, but it's the color of my skin. Because she doesn't look at herself as a lighter skinned black lady. She just looks at herself as a black lady, black like her sisters, and that's it. So, you know, do you think that that has helped you being a lighter skinned um, I would definitely lady? say it, it, it has helped, and, mm -hmm. and that's unfortunate. You know, it's just real. It has helped, and it's unfortunate as hell. However, I'm the same way as your sister. My father is Haitian, and my mother is African-American. We traced our slaves. Like my great, 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 great grandmother was a house slave. So literally I identify as a black woman. Like my mom's black and my dad's black. My dad's first cousin and my dad's sister are literally, you know, the darkest, some of the darkest complected people that I've seen. And I'm like, damn, y'all beautiful. But I, I definitely think that colorism definitely happens in today's industry. And I've had similar experiences well, where, you know, people who aren't us, have come up to me and felt like they can almost relate to me just because of the color of my skin. It was like, yeah, like you're that one black person I can talk to about. I'm just like, no, I don't relate to you. I'm sorry. Like, it's just that simple. It's literally been times like when I was at Forbes, the Freddie Gray case, and it's literally, literally in the middle of a newsroom and it's all across these TVs. And, you know, someone makes a comment like, I'm tired of hearing it hearing about stuff like this. I'm like, don't you think we tired of living it? Like, and again, they think they can say that to me because for some reason or another, they feel like I don't have the same struggles and everything. I do have some and I don't have some as, you know, different type of people of color. But again, I don't relate to y'all. And I think that I'm very like outwardly with that when I go to panels and when I do stuff, they don't really, you know, they're always like, Sydney, you hella pro-black and you light skin. And I'm just like, well, I'm still black. Like, at the end of the day, I'm still black. I still, I see my mother struggle. I've seen my father struggle. I've struggled trying to like, you know, be on that border where it's just like, and I really, I just, you know, I, I try to relate to everyone, but when people come at me on that type of, you know, that type of feel where it's just like, let me try and get the black, you know, inside view from this girl who I don't know what she is. I'm like, I, I have the first, no, that's, it's kind of fun for me to tell them, like, girl, I'm black. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's fun for me. I just be like, yeah, but like black power at the end of the day, black power. So it's, it's definitely something that we have to deal with. But again, like I try and offset that in any way I can. And that's why, you know, when I was at Forbes, I only hired, you know, like black women of all different colors. When I start my media agency, that colorism shit goes out the window for me. I'm hiring the most talented person, whether you're white, well, whatever shade of brown you are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's, yeah. There it is. I just want to say something really quickly. As like a dark-skinned woman, I've had a lot of doors slammed yeah. in my face. Um, and 
I real like I knew that when I, I had to start this show because I knew that if if I pitched this, it would have been like, okay, yeah, this is cute. Let's get another host. Yeah. I just knew that there was no way that any network would say this dark skinned girl with a body, with natural hair, will be the face of this show. So I feel like you know, now more than ever, that's why you see so many darker skinned women who are starting their own, you know, initiatives, their own content, because we mm -hmm. know, we know what it is to go into these offices and they'll be like, mm, you know, let me get someone yeah. lighter. It's also why I haven't signed a lot of deals that have come my way, because a lot of like the caveats are always like, if you continue to perform, we'll keep you on. Right. And it's like, uh-uh, I have to be secured in this spot and that has to be in the contract. So. Yeah, that's it. Fact. All right, Deonnie, take take us home, cause I you don't got fire. I felt like you had fire. No, I'm no fire. Right. You actually said exactly how I feel. I've lived the same. I legit have had brands tell me or tell my agent that she's just too dark. There's no way that we can do this for her because she doesn't fit the demographic that we're looking for. We're not looking for a black. We're looking for black girls. We're just looking for. You ever? I was reading this wonderful article by Juana's World, and they were talking about brands looking for this soft ghetto. Yeah, it's <laughs> soft ghetto. You get you get a Afro Latina, and you know she wears the, the the little bubble, you know the little hair things, and puts on the lipstick, and wears the bubble coats, and she squats, and she wears sneakers, and she does all this stuff that. Black women have been doing it for years, earrings, all that, but it looks softer when you have a lighter girl doing it who's skinny and has straighter hair that's, you know, that it, it, it's more, it's tamed hair. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't look confusing. You don't, you legit have, they want exotic, and that's their definition of exotic. To me, black women are exotic, always have been. You know what I'm saying? But they like the softer ghetto girl. And because I'm dark skin, I'm already dark skin, you're already ghetto. Off rip. Off rip. You're already ghetto if you dark skin. Now we're gonna see, just like when I told you guys about the show that I was doing, how they were trying to make me into the supreme ghetto and having me cut my words in half and do a lot of neck rolls and more attitude and more shit like that because of my complexion. They would never ask a light-skinned girl to do that shit, period. They didn't. So I, I, I legit seen it. I've seen women, I told y'all the story of genius, who got the job. I didn't. And that was because I wasn't the look they're going for. So yeah, you have to be conscious of that sometimes, but fuck it. Mm. That's a perfect way to end off. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Ashley Acuna. Please give it up for Scotty Beam. Please give it up for Sydney Michelle. It's been the first episodes of Dropping Gems Live. My name is Jameer Pond. Take a bow. Thank y'all for coming out. Hey, let's, can we party a little bit? We'll party a little bit, man. Throw in some tunes. Yes, oh, we, everybody stay on stage. We gotta take a group photo. Don't go nowhere, please. God bless you.